Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is John Veldheis, senior writer for BadgerBlitz.com, joined once again by John McNamara, publisher of BadgerBlitz.com. We're talking right at the end of 2018 here uh, on uh, December 30th. Uh, both of us probably uh, trying to avoid watching the uh, the Packer game that's going on right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Wisconsin's the end of the uh, football season for the Wisconsin Badgers as they uh, kind of really uh, unexpectedly, I thought, blew out the uh, the Miami Hurricanes in the uh, the Pinstripe Bowl with a 35 to three win. John, um, your we'll get into this a little bit deeper, but like your what what was your quick takeaway from from a game that some people consider you know one of those meaningless bowl games, but you know it certainly looked like there were a lot of Badgers out there that uh, cared about the result, and uh, you know they came out with the win. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know going in, I I picked Miami to win. Uh, so I I'm not going to, I'm going to get that, you know, out of the way right away. Uh, but you know, I, I, I thought this Wisconsin team would show up and, you know, have something to play for. And, you know, they wanted to send the seniors out on the right note. I, uh, I, I bought into all that, but I was, I guess I'd say I was shocked with, with what the score was and what the end result was. Um, you know, obviously I think Wisconsin benefited quite a bit from, uh, you know, Miami having to play, you know, Rozier throughout the whole game and, um, but just the way the defense played and, you know, the way the running game for Wisconsin's offense was clicking uh, all night long, uh, I, don't, I don't know that anyone really expected that, you know, especially with, you know, the last thing in your mind was Wisconsin's game against Minnesota. So, you know, credit the coaching staff. I thought the, I thought the offense was, uh, was good and I thought the play calling was good. I, you know, you saw a few new wrinkles. I remember uh, you know, the, the tight end screen, which is a, a play that you saw in the past from Paul Christ, you know, that came out against Miami. So, uh, there, you know, there's a lot to like, and, you know, that's what happens when you play one a bowl game. You, you could try to ride some of that momentum into the spring. So um, I, I thought it was a great effort by Wisconsin. A lot of guys uh, played well on, on both sides of the ball, and um, that's something you take into, you know, winter conditioning and then in, the, in spring camp as well. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where um, the – Excuse me. The Badgers really. I mean, like it, it for for a time there, it kind of looked like they were you know letting Miami hang around for a while. I thought that there were points in the first half where they should have been up by more than uh, what they were up by because they you know obviously they went up fourteen to nothing after the the quick interception and then uh, ensuing touchdown on their second possession. Uh, and then they were you know driving down towards the end uh, had at least a chance to you know kick in a field goal or. Uh, you know, maybe even go up twenty-one nothing early in the early in the first quarter. So it it was a game that they really dominated from um, start to finish, even if it didn't look like it on the scoreboard until really the second half. Uh, but I, I guess I was surprised. I think the defense is probably the biggest surprise. I mean, the the offense. I think you know it was it was tough to know what to expect just because with with Jack Collin playing that game and obviously burning his red shirt to playing his fifth game with Alex Hornerbrook sidelined with the you know reoccurring uh, symptoms from a head injury uh, it was tough to know what to expect from that group but you know on, on paper Wisconsin's offense was a a unit that really kind of um, you know the on the field the, the on-field results didn't really transfer or translate to you know uh, the the relatively high rent and marks that they got for you know efficiency and things like that this year. So I guess I wasn't that surprised to see them kind of you know come out and uh, really have a good performance. I, w- I was a little surprised to see them do it against Miami, but just because their defense has been 
uh, you know, pretty good. And I think even, um, even better than they were last year in a couple ways, but with some of these bowl games and, you know, Miami was missing a pretty big force up front uh, on their defensive line. And it, I guess it's tough and it, it could be, you know, from seeing the Badgers play Miami last year, it could just be that, you know, maybe their maybe Wisconsin scheme is just, uh, uh, you know, pretty, pretty effective against the defense that Miami has been running over the last two years or so. so but I, I was impressed with the defense, uh, just because I think there's there's more to kind of project with that group. You're kind of looking for guys to really kind of grow and take a step forward uh, next year. Badgers are obviously going to have to replace some pieces on offense, but you know, a lot of those defensive guys, you know, for this season and the step, you know, relative step back that they took to to be worth it. You want to see them grow and play more consistently and play better uh, in in 2019. I think we saw. You know, a couple guys, uh, you know, step forward and uh, put in some performances that let you, you know, kind of look to the next year and say, well, you know, if they can carry that over, then that'll be a good thing for them. Yeah, you know, the the thing that stands out to me was Miami ran forty offensive plays yeah. uh, that night, and you know, usually when you look back at, uh, you know, we use Pro Football Focus and you look at back at the numbers, it's you know, it's usually around like seventy or eighty offensive plays. Um, just off the top of my head, I think Wisconsin ran 70 against Miami, which is kind of average, I would say, throughout the season. But, you know, that that number of 40 shows that, you know, not only Wisconsin, obviously they, they created those turnovers, but, you know, being able to get off the field on third downs, I thought that was huge. Uh, so, you know, a lot of pauses from that defense. Um, and, you know, a defense that was missing a lot of guys. With Obviously, Sango Polo has been out for a while. Caden Lyles didn't play. Dakota Dixon didn't play. Brian Connolly. Uh, yeah, Ryan. You know, Ryan Conley didn't play, so you saw a little bit of you know what the future might look like for that number one defense, and you know there are certainly a lot of positives there. Yeah, and we were talking a little bit about some of the individual performers that stood out as guys that you know will have a chance to earn larger roles or could use the bowl game to kind of um, you know propel themselves themselves forward into 2019. Uh, who who do you think stood out to you the most, either either on offense or defense, as somebody that? Uh, performed well in the bowl game and you know maybe we'll have a chance to earn a larger role next year uh for my my guy in offense is Luke Benshaw um who I don't think it's the question that he played his best game uh as a Badger he graded out extremely well uh he had a 75.4 which was the uh the number four mark on uh the offense you know according to pro football focus um you know the missing Xander Neville this year I thought was huge uh, you know, particularly in the run game, he was Wisconsin's best blocker. And if you look at next year as the guy who could be that next big time inline blocker for them, it's probably Ben Shaw, um, you know, with Jake Ferguson as your H back. And, you know, I don't know where that puts Kyle Penniston because I think he played five snaps against Miami. Yeah, it wasn't um, very you know, much. Yeah, he had a, you know, he had a rough season. I uh, just couldn't, you know, get any traction, I guess, as an inline guy or as, as a receiver. So, um, I don't want to, you know, say that Benshaw has passed him and, and Ferguson has passed him. We don't know what his uh, Penniston status is, but you know, going into next year, it looks like you have a great H back in in Jake Ferguson had a really good year, and maybe an emerging guy like Luke Benshaw, if he can be your inline guy, and you know, he also showed the ability to catch the football. He scored a touchdown that was called back. So yeah, I was uh, going to say the the his best play didn't count, but uh, yeah, he still showed he did it. So. Right. And, you know, you know, as a big guy, six foot six and 250 pounds, you know, he could be a threat for you in the red zone as well. So uh, on, on offense, he's the guy I looked at. And then defense, I thought Eric Burrell played really well. Uh, he, too, graded out at a 75.4, which was the top five on the defense. 
Um, you know, you saw uh, uh, quite a bit of Burrell this year, actually, with the injuries that they had at safety. And, um, you know, he's probably going to be penciled in or, I guess, have the inside track at that starting strong safety job next year with Dakota Dixon graduating. So, um, you know, his ability, you know, I, I thought Burrell going into this year was was a guy that they used on, you know, on, on, uh, on like goal line stuff as a guy that could cover the tight end a little bit. It was a good tackler, but, you know, he showed that he could play every down for you. And I, th- I think that's a big positive for, uh, on defense going into next year as well. Yeah, I think Burrell is definitely one of those underrated um, players that, uh, you know, can use a season like this and kind of build on it and go from there. And I think getting that, that's one of those things where you you have a bunch of injuries, uh, you know, it opens up opportunities for other guys to get a lot of playing time and to kind of earn some experience. And so that's, that's something that I think is going to come handy or come in handy for him and for the Badgers as they uh, kind of move forward. Um, I'm I'm curious to get your opinion about uh, Jack Cohn in this game. I mean, obviously with with the run game working as well, you know, as it did, uh, Jonathan Taylor had another great game for the Badgers and really kind of was, you know was the offensive uh, offensive engine that was kind of keeping them going. You know, not only in the game but all season. But um, did did this game change anything for you uh, when you look at Jack Cohn going into next year? I mean, obviously you know, he was uh, I think it was six of eleven with. You know the touchdown pass and then the touchdown run on uh, the the bootleg call. Um, but yeah, for I, I know some people, you know, were uh, depending on you know how you viewed you know Wisconsin's quarterback situation and all of that. I mean, the it, it's obviously clear that the Badgers were were trying to preserve that year of eligibility for him. But you know, in the in the bowl game and then the the other games that we saw Jack Cohn play in, I mean, did you see enough from him to make you think that you know he's somebody that could be you know Wisconsin's starting quarterback either you know say next year or the year after or at some point in his career here? Uh, great question, uh, and that's that's certainly I think you know the quarterback position is the position that's going to be talked about uh, you know all off season. Uh, did Cohn show me enough against Miami? You know, probably not. Uh, you know, the interception he had was, I, I could say, Alex Hornibrook-esque, where it's <laughs> it's kind of a head-scratcher as, as to what he saw and, you know, the, the decision he, that he made. Um, you know, I think with Cone, you, you saw a guy uh, that can give you a little bit more with his feet. Um, you know, as a guy, he has, he has that uh, capability. But, um, you know, I guess even looking at the bull prep, you know, he, I'm, I'm a, you know, I guess we're assuming that he wasn't the number one guy going into bull prep until – Warnerbrook pulled his is uh, himself out of bull practices with those, um, you know, concussion like symptoms, and you know his status is up in the air. So, um, you know, I I don't know. I it was kind of, you know, I don't think it did, I don't think it moved the meter either way for me to be honest with you. Um, I I do think you know a lot of fans have maybe written Jack Cohen off, but um, you know I'm willing to give him the the winter and the spring and the summer um, in what you would expect to be, you know, I'd like your opinion on that, which I guess what you would expect to be an open competition, um, especially if a guy like Hornerbrook doesn't come back. Now that's, that's speculation. Um, we haven't heard anything from, from Wisconsin and I don't think we'll hear anything until spring camp pops up unless, you know, Hornerbrook says something himself, but I would expect that the competition would be wide open uh, with Hornerbrook status with a guy like Jack Cohn, and with Graham Mertz coming in as a true freshman, you know, Van and Boom and Chase Wolf too, as well. Um, you know, that's yeah. not write those guys off. So, um, you know, I don't think Jack Cohn did anything against Miami that says, hey, this guy is Wisconsin's number one quarterback going into the spring. Um, I just think there's too much going on. And I would imagine it's 
it is a truly wide open battle uh, when when spring camp starts in March. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll, I think you hit on that in that you know the the quarterback question is going to be basically the the biggest topic of discussion going into spring camp and you know for. Uh, as far as we could, you know, tell from this point, you know, it's it, this is uh, something that's going to be going on for a while here until the Badgers find a, you know, somebody who can play that position and play it consistently, and you know, to the point where the Badgers kind of know what they're going to get on a week-to-week basis. And you know, I think the I was just writing about this for our um, position previews as we kind of look back at the season and as we look forward to 2019 i mean obviously i think alex hornbrook's health is is kind of the first domino uh that needs to fall because we need to know you know and obviously like you said the badgers haven't said anything and we're probably not going to hear about anything until you know we get closer to spring camp which i mean generally would start towards maybe towards the end of march or you know um maybe uh it really kind of depends on spring break and when the Badgers want to do that, but can't certainly not anything for a couple months here. And you know, if if Hornerbrook is healthy and he you know recovers to the point where he's not having these um, these post concussion symptoms or post head injury symptoms or whatever you want to call it, the the part of the problem is that you know uh, Hornerbrook is not you know, really wanted to, to talk about, you know, when he, you know, had the first injury or, you know, what the symptoms are or anything like that. And I suppose that's, that's his right, but it's hard to, it's hard to, um, you know, kind of do any real um, substantive analysis without really knowing how severe these things are and, you know, what kind of symptoms he's still dealing with. But, you know, I kind of think back to um, just a, a not not necessarily a personal experience, but from in another sport, you know, I, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, and so I watched uh, you know a guy like Joe Maurer had his you know his whole um, you know uh, MLB career kind of thrown off track because you know he's somebody that has you know some sensitivity to these head injuries, and it's something that could you know linger for a while even after you know some smaller hits or things like that, and that's in baseball where you know you're not you know slamming your head down on the turf uh, after every play and so some it's just one of those things where people react differently to these things and so you know without knowing any specifics it's hard to really kind of guess at you know how long Hornibrook is going to need to recover or what that process is going to be like um, I feel like if he's healthy he's going to get the first crack to you know really kind of reaffirm his his hold on the job but you know it's it's hard to I mean like the the if in that sentence is doing kind of some heavy lifting at this point and you know it's hard to say uh, if Hornerbook will be healthy by the time spring camp run, runs around or if he's still dealing with it you know what what his full status will be if he's not healthy then I think it is going to be you know a, a pretty much open competition obviously you know in that situation you're probably glad that Jack Cohn was able to get in on you know the five games that he played to you know, to the point where you would have somebody that has some in-game experience. But then I think, you know, you really kind of see what, what horses you have between Cone and, you know, Vandenboom, who I think has has gotten some pretty good reviews from people in the coaching staff uh, and, you know, people around the program, but obviously was was behind uh, Cone in, the, in terms of the depth chart this year. And Chase Wolf, who, the, you know, the coaching staff really likes and, you know, they, they liked his skill set, uh, you know, worked hard to, to get him and make him part of the program. And then obviously, you know, the, uh, the elephant in the room, so to speak, uh, when he gets on campus is going to be Graham Mertz, who, you know, the, I think a lot of, a big portion of the fan base is projecting a lot of their hopes onto, but it's going to be hard to say, you know, just what to expect out of him, um, you know, until we see him, you know, get in and start practicing with the team. And, you know, luckily for him and for the Badgers, he, you know, he'll be on campus uh, shortly and we'll practice with them this spring. Um, but it's, uh, it's, 
it's definitely not the kind of open you know situation that I think we would have expected the Badgers to have you know in this upcoming spring. If you thought about thought back to you know earlier this spring when the Badgers were going in, it looked like Hornbrook was you know kind of your your runaway obvious starter you know with some room for improvement, but you know. Uh, not expecting to see any real significant challenge until 2020 after you graduated. So definitely a position that has kind of uh, you know, changed in how you look at it over the last three or four months here. Yeah. And you know, I think the only thing that we can say for certain and something that I've seen pop up is, is that Paul Christ has promised Graham Mertz the starting job. Um, I think that's the only thing we could say with certainty that, that, that has not happened um, you know, another, another name that's pop up is, is Tyree Jackson, uh, the quarterback from Buffalo. Uh, he, you know, he, he's looking to transfer. He would have one year of eligibility left and Wisconsin's been a school that's been mentioned with him. So <laughs> that would certainly make, uh, a, a very interesting situation that much more intriguing. Again, that, that's just, those are rumblings and speculation at this point, but wow, would that do something to the quarterback room as well? Uh, that would make yeah. things all that more interesting. Imagine, I think I'm having enough trouble keeping everybody straight and uh, doing that with the five or six guys that are already there. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> but Hey, look, I think if, if you can add a guy like him, absolutely. I think you do everything you can to make that position better. So uh, that, that's certainly something to keep an eye on as well. What, what he ends up doing and, you know, Lance Leopold's connections to the state of Wisconsin, obviously he doesn't want to see the guy leave, but you know, maybe if, if he's legitimately, you know, looking to transfer, which which he has put his name in that portal. You know, maybe you know Leopold says you know, he looks at what his best options are for those having those conversations, and I'm sure he has a connection to Paul Chris. So, who knows? Who knows? I, you know, that's certainly something to keep an eye on, though. All right. Well, why don't we transfer? You know, speaking of transfers, why don't we make a, a transfer of our own and uh, start talking about uh, the Wisconsin men's basketball team that uh, fell to Western Kentucky last night in uh, in Bowling Green in their final non-conference game of of the season, and now they can kind of make their transition to uh, you know playing the Big Ten schedule, uh, Big Ten slate full time starts. Uh, January 3rd, this upcoming Thursday, when they'll host Minnesota. But uh, what you, I guess I'm curious to get your take on you know just what we've learned about the the Badger basketball team through the first you know two and a half ish months of their season or so. Like, what what are you expecting to see out of them as they you know kind of go through what I, what I'm kind of expecting to be a, a pretty uh, a pretty tough Big Ten season? Right, and um, I, you know going into this year when people would talk about you know how how's the men's basketball team going to do. You know, I said I thought this year could really go either way and that nothing would surprise me. And with the non-conference slate, uh, you know, concluded now, even though it was, you know, they, they lost against Western Kentucky, which, you know, I think Mike Lucas said it or he tweeted it out. Uh, you know, there was it was kind of an ambush, you know, you know, playing on the road, you know, during the holiday and you know, Western Kentucky treated that, you know, game like it was it was their Super Bowl for the year. I mean that's a tough environment to play in. So I mean yeah, that, they, had a hard, they had a hard time getting over the uh, the last or the the loss from last season where Brad Davison kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I think <laughs> right. So I mean that that doesn't do anything for me either way. You know I I don't think that the loss does anything to make me think differently about this team. I thought you know if if anything it's a it's a good test for them that you know probably will will benefit them come March, but. Um, you know, this, this team absolutely to me looks like a tournament team. And I think, um, that that's been established in the non-conference slate. Um, uh, Ethan Happ looks better than last year. Um, I thought a lot, you know, a lot of parts of his game have improved and, 
know, he, he's certainly the guy that, that keeps Wisconsin going. Um, you know, Demetri Trice has been great. You know, can he continue shooting as well as he has? Um, the games where he hasn't shot well, you know, Wisconsin has struggled a bit. Um, you know, you, you seem like you have guys on the bench who you trust. Uh, so I, I think there's there's far more positives than there are negatives after the non-conference. And, you know, it was it, this is a huge year for Graygard. You know, with I don't want to say myself that his, he's on the hot seat because he's not. Um, but, you know, he was coming off a difficult year. And I, I think that, you know, that was more a blip on the radar than it was something that we could, you know, expect to be the Wisconsin basketball program. Uh, you know, you had Trice out all last year. Davison had one arm. Kobe King was out for the entire year, I, and you graduated a ton. I just think those factors led, you know, to what you saw last year, and and this is more the norm uh, for head coach Greg Gard and his staff, I would say. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think the big key that I'm kind of looking for is, you know, can, can the Badgers find it, just somebody other than Ethan Happ who can be that consistent scorer on kind of a game-to-game -game basis. Because I think in the the losses that we've seen the Badgers have this year, and specifically the the Marquette game um, is the one that I'm thinking about. But it was, uh, Ethan Happ is so good that I think teams know that obviously you, you know you have to defend him and you know you can't can't ever you know kind of shift away from you know knowing that he's going to be the focal point of the the you know the basketball offense here but you know the he's going to get his basically no matter what you do i mean like you can see he'll have games like he had against western kentucky where he's you know nine of you know 25-ish or something like that. And so that you'll take that if he's going to miss a bunch of those shots. But, I mean, he's still finished with 20 points. But Hap is going to get his. And so the question is, you know, is is it Trice or is it Davison or is it somebody else that can be kind of that other go-to guy that can, one for one thing, kind of keep the pressure off of Ethan Hap. But then, you know, if he has an off night or he misses a couple shots or something like that, I just feel like they need at least one or two other guys to prove that, you know, they can – um, kind of deliver on a game-to-game -game basis in the Big Ten. And so I think you you could certainly have a bunch of candidates there, but if I had to pick one or two, I, I don't know that I could pick one or two. I mean, Brad, Brad Davison has you – know, it's been a bit of an adjustment for him to uh, start playing kind of off the ball instead of running point like he did last year. But you know, he's had you know two out of his last three games. He's been up uh, in the mid-20s for points or so. So it could be that he's figuring that out. You know, Trice has been great from three. You know, he was he came into last night's game shooting above fifty percent from um, behind the arc. Obviously, I think that's probably going to come down a little bit, and I think that you know we're seeing that happen a little bit right now. But that to me is a question of like, what's his? You know, where does his um, where does his shooting percentage from three kind of level off to? Like, he, if it's closer to fifty than it is to thirty, then you know that's going to be a, that's going to be a good thing for the Badgers. And so the nice thing for them is kind of like what you were talking about. I mean, they have option. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys who you know could kind of develop and you know give them those other consistent scoring threats. And you know maybe it doesn't have to be one or two guys that are there every night. If you have a bunch of guys who could all contribute. You know, every now and then, but that's my key is you because know, they're going to take on a bunch of teams that are ranked. There's, a, I think, six teams in the Big Ten that are ranked right now. Um, and so to finish, you know, near the top of the Big Ten standings, I think that's what you need to see is, you know, you need somebody else that can be kind of that every night scorer. And then obviously, you know, you can't, you can't have games like they had, uh, you know, yesterday against Western Kentucky where you let them shoot, you know, um, I think it was 60% from the floor in the second half. I, mean, I think that's more of an anomaly than than anything else. But uh, that's that's something that you can't have happen as well. Yeah, and I, I don't know that you'll get, 
you know, I think Trice might be the closest to that that reliable second option, but it might have to be a different guy every night. But like you said, John, you have to have, you know, someone who's clicking besides Ethan Happ because, you know, there are, there are going to be a handful of games during the Big Ten where, you know, he's having a night like he had against Western Kentucky, you know, or his shot just isn't falling. But, you know, the good part about that is, you know, even when he's struggling, he'll score, you know, 16, 18, 20 points a game. So, right. uh, you know, if I think if if they can have, you know, a second or third option, uh, throughout the Big Ten slate and into March, that you know this this team can uh, can do some things in the tournament. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, you need consistency from from the guard play, but you know they have a lot of weapons too. You know, they're they're a team that's you know legitimately eight or nine deep. You know that you feel comfortable playing with, and I think on any given night, you know you you can get something from that bench uh, from Wisconsin. I guess uh, I want to put you on the spot just a little bit. I'm not going to make you pick their final standing in the Big Ten, but I want to say uh, a yes or no. Do they finish in the top four of the of the conference by the end of the regular season? Oh, man. I would say yes. I think the only team that's out of reach is you – know, they're not even out of reach, but you know, Michigan is clearly playing you know, the best basketball right now in the Big Ten, and uh, you, know, you would assume that they – you know, wind up on top in the Big Ten Conference. But again, you know, that's it's a tough slate. Like you mentioned, there's five teams that are ranked right now. And, you know, teams like Minnesota, you know, they're they're ten and two and Maryland's ten and three and they're not ranked. And Nebraska's eleven and two and they're not ranked. I I'm no, you're right, John. I'm sorry. That's six teams. I was way down at the top because they're 0 and two yeah. in, in the conference right now. So yeah, six teams ranked and I think Maryland it just fell out too. So I mean, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that have been kind of in that periphery, right? So it's it's going to be a grind grind for all these teams. Um, you know, I think what I think you like what you saw when you know Wisconsin went on the road against Iowa early and and beat them. So um, you know this this is you know a veteran group too that these these a lot of these guys have played and it starts with Ethan Happ and um, I, if you know put a gun to my head with an answer right now, I'd say they do finish in the top four of the conference, but it's, it's going to be a tough slate coming up. I think the one thing that the, what the benefit and it kind of touches on what you were saying is that yes, that, you know, the coming off the, the your last two, your know, true road games to Marquette and then, you know, at uh, uh, Western Kentucky were both disappointments uh, for various reasons, but it's not like the, that's been the complete trend of your road games. Cause you do have that Iowa game uh, and the, the Xavier game, uh, both true road games that the Badgers won that they could kind of fall back on. So, you know, it's not like the, it's not like road games have been, um, you know, kind of their, um, their Achilles heel this season. I think that, uh, you know, they've been kind of, uh, they've had their ups and downs. And so they just kind of ha- have to learn from uh, your successes that happened earlier in the year and kind of see what you can do to fix uh, the, the flaws that got kind of exposed in December here when they went out uh, away from the call center. Yeah. It, it's going to be an exciting slate. I, you know, it, again, you know, big 10 is tough. They're talking that was big 10. could get 10 teams in the tournament this year. That would be incredible. So that'd be insane. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's out of the question. You know, there's there's a lot of good teams in the conference this year. Yeah, there. I think I was looking at the uh, the the rankings by Ken Pomeroy yesterday, and I think um, twelve of the fourteen Big Ten teams are ranked at least number sixty one or better. Um, so that I mean, like it's uh, there's there's not a lot of uh, bottom feeders to go kind of pick uh, pick and pound on. This is not. It's not like this is the uh, the Big Ten West of. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Although, you know, can you really say it anymore? Because the Big Ten West was kind of a, a big old slog this year anyway, of at least a, a slog of slog of mediocrity, I guess you could say. But there is there is still Illinois, which just lost to Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. Yeah. It's like their I think it was their worst uh, APR net loss in ten years or something. So that that's a program that uh, is not doing so well right not, now. Not fun times in Champaign for for major uh, major revenue sports. But what else? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, John, do you, anything from the the world of recruiting that you want to hit on before we uh, before we close this out? Yeah, I spent uh, three days. Well, not not three full days, but three days at the WBY shootout. Uh, it's the event that Mark Miller puts together. Uh, for with sports not net and um, you know annually it's it's, a, it's an excellent event that gets some of the the top talent uh, inside the state all in one place so um, I'm thankful that he he lets me come every year and, and cover that event uh, this year my my primary focus is on Mineral Point which is a smaller school I believe they're Division Four um, and they have two guys at Wisconsin's looking that and uh, 2020 guard Isaac Lindsay and 2021 wing uh, Brandon Daly. Uh, you know, Lindsay right now doesn't have an offer from Wisconsin, but he, he's certainly someone that staff has been monitoring for, for a good amount of time. Uh, he visited, I believe, for Wisconsin's last home contest was that Grambling State. I think it was Grambling State. Um, I got a chance to talk with him, and you know, he, he feels like he's, he's close to an offer from Wisconsin. He, he thinks that relationship is, is building now. Um, it, it could depend on uh, Jonathan Davis, who I actually had a chance to see a couple weekends ago at the NY2LA event, um, you know, Davis does have an offer right now. He's, he's the kid from lacrosse central, but um, you know, he's held that offer from Wisconsin for a while. And right now it's, you know, it's kind of head and shoulders, his best offer. Um, I'd be curious that, you know, after this, this high school season ends, this uh, you know, this, the regular high school season ends before AU, if uh, you know, if he hasn't made his decision that if Wisconsin puts another offer, you know, out to a guy like Lindsay now, you know, if you were to offer Lindsay, I think he would accept on the spot. So you have to be ready for that. But, you know, certainly someone to watch for, you know, the rest of his junior season and, and into AAU play. And uh, Brandon Daly, you know, he's he's kind of all arms and legs right now. I, we have some video up on him on the site that just went up. And uh, the, the kid can just stroke it. He scored uh, 58 points uh, total f- through two games uh, at the WBY event. Uh, he's kind of long and lengthy and you know, once he had some size, I'm sorry, you know, once he had some, some strength to, to his frame and, you know, learns how to play as a six foot six or six foot seven guy, uh, he's going to be really, really uh, exciting to watch. And, you know, someone who definitely figures to be a division one kid, you know, right now, Wisconsin and Iowa and, Mar- and Marquette are there for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he started to pick up some offers this summer uh, on the AU circuit. So, uh, you know, two two pretty uh, two pretty good guys on on a Mineral Point team uh, this season. All right. Well, uh, you guys should stay tuned to uh, BadgerBlitz.com for more information on that as we kind of move forward. And I think that's going to do it for us here on this week's edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. We'll try and come back with uh, another show after we get a few more data points in uh, Wisconsin's uh, Big Ten regular season slate as they move into that part of their uh, their season for the men's basketball team. So once again, thanks again for listening during the football season. We hope that you'll stick with us as the Badger uh, basketball team moves in to the second half of their season as they uh, try and get back to the NCAA tournament. So thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time.